Well, look, I want to welcome all of you here, especially those of you that are uh, visiting with us. Welcome over in the venue. Thank you, Jared, for leading worship over there. And we know we have lots and lots of people watching online, and we're glad you're with us, or if you're on the radio, praise the Lord. Um, let me piggyback on something Pastor Scott said over in the venue and Pastor Bobby said here. Uh, next weekend, we're really doing something that's historic um, having all of these different senior pastors from our city come and preach here. And you'll notice that uh, Primetime, which is going on right now, is having different senior pastors who will be here. Um, also, at the moment when we take our offering, we'll be interviewing other senior pastors who then will go speak in Primetime. And the first one's going to be Cliff Traub, Cliff was the senior pastor at Bethel, I think, for over 50 years. He's kind of like the Pope here in Modesto. And he doesn't know this, but we're going to honor him with a, a gift and thank him for all of his years of service here. But uh, we're going to have senior pastors preaching, other senior pastors who will give interviews about what's happening in their churches. You can see we've got a number of uh, different men from other ministries coming to speak with our guys. We have youth pastors from our city who will come and talk with our youth, and it's really going to be a, a, a special time. I'm looking forward to next week, and I'll be sitting right down here on the front row, and I know that the Lord is going to speak through my friend, Glenn Bartow. He'll have a word for me and a word for all of you, and, and I want to encourage you to be praying. Think about a friend who, um, who you'd like to bring. I know what Glenn's going to talk on next week, and uh, I've just told them, whatever you want to talk on, Whatever you're passionate about right now, you just bring the word to us. And so that's going to be exciting. And then, uh, you know, we're in this series here called um, The Fruit That Makes a, a Marriage Great. And we've um, been taking some data, collecting some data over the last few weeks. And we had well over 150 uh, uh, couples here the last two weeks who are, have been married less than seven years and well over 25 couples who just stood up in our gathering, uh, gatherings last weekend who are engaged to be married. And we've just been praying and thinking and dreaming. And starting in September, we're going to begin a brand new venue on Saturday night at 6 o'clock. And it's going to be a little bit different. The same band, the band that's there now, led by Jared, will be there on Saturday night. But uh, there'll be round tables set up, Pastor Mark Clements is going to lead that with his wife, Tammy, and others, and it's going, going to be a, a, a gathering of young marrieds. If you've been married less than seven years, uh, you'll be able to gather, worship, have some fun together, and then uh, you'll be able to watch the, the, the message. We think it's going to be really cool and exciting, and you'll hear more about it in the, in the weeks or, or months to, to come. Our uh, theme verse has been Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, which I want us to say out loud together over in the venue and in here, okay? Here we go. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And so far we've looked at uh, love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness, which means we've only got one piece of fruit left, and that's the fruit of self-control. Proverbs chapter 25 says, a person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. In other words, when you don't control yourself, when you're, when you're out of control, it makes you vulnerable to all kinds of problems. When you're out of control, when, when, you, when you're not controlling yourself, it, it puts your, your marriage at risk. It harms your own life. It harms the, the lives of other people like your spouse. It might be uncontrolled anger, uncontrolled lust, uncontrolled spending, uncontrolled uh, drinking, uncontrolled ambition. You know, the workaholic who has no time for his family because he's so, you know, busy building his career or business or whatever. Beloved, anything out of control in your life can, can mess you up and can mess up your, your marriage. So the fruit of self-control is, is important. 
Controlling yourself is an important thing. Now, today I'm gonna to zero in on one area that tends to get out of control often in our lives. In fact, in my opinion, it's the great destroyer, if you will, of relationships, and that's an uncontrolled tongue. I wish I had time to go through a, a lot of different areas. I, I thought I was going to, but, but I don't. I'm just gonna zero in on the tongue. When you have little or no control over your tongue, I want you to know that your, your marriage is in trouble. In fact, all the relationships in your life are, are, are in trouble. Now, they say that the average person will spend about one-fifth of their life talking, okay? We're a, a nation of, of talkers. People love to talk. They say that the average man in the course of a day, we'll speak about 20,000 words. They say that a woman, in the course of a day, will speak about 30,000 words, okay? <laughs> now what that means, guys, is when you come home from work or whatever, you, you spoke your 20,000 words. <laughs> your, your wife still's got 10,000 to go. <laughs> now listen to me. Listen, guys, th those 10,000 words when you get home are really important words, okay? That's the best wisdom I might give you uh, uh, today. Now, here's the bummer. Because we're human, because we all have this thing called a sinful nature, usually contained within those 20 or 30,000 words uh, are things that cause us problems. We, we just have a natural ability to... Um, say really, really crummy things. It just comes naturally to, to us. Our mouths tend to get us into all kinds of trouble, which is why the Bible has so much to say about the tongue. God's word describes the tongue in all kinds of ways. Uh, one of them is the worshiping tongue, and you know, we were just using our tongue to worship the, the Lord through singing. God talks about the preaching tongue or the teaching tongue. God talks about the encouraging tongue the Word of God talks about the strengthening tongue or the refreshing tongue. The Word of God talks about the, the peaceful tongue or the life-giving tongue. The Bible also talks about the hopeful tongue. Proverbs chapter 10 says, the words of the godly encourage many. Proverbs chapter 25 says, the right word spoken at the right time is as beautiful as golden apples in a silver bowl. And that's true, isn't it? Haven't we all had somebody come into our lives? Maybe it was our spouse, probably oftentimes it was. Maybe it was our parents, maybe it was our grandparents. Maybe it was a close friend. And man, they, they just had the right word at the right moment. And it really was a, a special thing. Our, our tongues can be used in some really, really special ways, right? But unfortunately, our tongues can also be used in some crummy ways. You see, God's word also describes the tongue in these terms, the arguing tongue, the deceitful or the lying tongue, the gossiping tongue, the bragging or the boastful tongue, the perverse or the wicked tongue, the filthy tongue, the corrupt tongue, the bitter or the crafty tongue, the slanderous tongue, the, the backbiting tongue, the Bible talks about the blasphemous tongue, the, the complaining tongue, the cursing tongue. The Bible has lots to say about the sensual tongue or the lustful tongue, the vile tongue, the whispering tongue. And as I was just kind of writing some of these down, I, I thought to myself, man, I probably have used my tongue in all of those ways at one time or another. Probably all of us have. Our flesh sometimes just gets the, the better of us. And yes, our, our tongues can be used in some really great ways, and sometimes they can be used in some really crummy ways. James, our brother, said this in James chapter 3. He said, the tongue is a small thing, but what enormous damage it can do. And... Um, Probably all of us in this room have experienced the enormous damage 
that her tongue can do. A, a great forest, James says, can be set afire by one tiny spark. The tongue can turn our whole lives into a blazing flame of destruction and disaster. That's just a great illustration that James uses, which is why he was such a great communicator. James says that one tiny little spark from a, a careless camper can destroy an entire forest. And the same thing is true with one tiny word from a careless person. One tiny little word can literally destroy a life. It can destroy a marriage. Some of you are sitting out there right now and you're thinking to yourself, yeah, it really destroyed my marriage or it's destroying my marriage. Someone once said, the tongue is like an arrow. It can kill at a distance. The victim doesn't have to be anywhere nearby. And with the um, advent of the internet, the victim literally can be in another country. And you can type a few words and hit send and whoa. Our brother Job had some people who were saying some really crummy things about him. And he said this in chapter 19. He said, how long will you torment me and crush me with words? Anybody ever been crushed by words? This... Um, Past week, you know, I, I receive a lot of emails, and you know, 99% of them are, are really great, and I love reading them. And there's always, you know, a small percentage of them that are really crummy. And this past week, I received an email. It was addressed to me, but it was cc'd to a number of different people. And basically, this person, this family, was letting me know what a crummy leader I was, and. Uh, Oh, he didn't like what's happening here at the church, you know. He didn't like our small groups and doesn't like, you know, um, some of the ways we, we do things or whatever. And it, it, it you know, he, he's leaving. And, and for whatever reason, it, it really bothered me. And I was sitting in my backyard with my wife and just kind of sharing it with her and talking about it. And it just, it was just bothering me. It was just crushing me. And so, um, you know, obviously we prayed about it, and I got on the phone and talked with some of our elders, and one of them was Pat, and just got a couple of our guys just to pray for me. Because it doesn't matter how old you are in the Lord, or whether you even know the Lord or not, it doesn't matter whether you're a pastor or not, it doesn't matter. Words can hurt. You know, and you get over it. I got thick skin. You get over it and you move on, but... Man, words can, can crush. And in fact, all it takes is one tiny little word. You're fat. One little word. You're stupid. You're ugly. You're worthless. Isn't it weird? One tiny little word can crush. A tongue can crush a child's spirit, can crush someone's reputation, can crush a, a friendship, can crush a, a marriage. I, I've often wondered how many people have destroyed their marriage over a word. I, I, I wondered this past week, how many people have destroyed their career because they couldn't control their, their tongue? You know, they said the wrong thing, you know, to their supervisor or the boss or the owner. I wondered how many people have destroyed, you know, some business deal. Couldn't keep their mouth shut. Kept talking and a, and a whole business deal, you know, crumbled. Proverbs chapter 13 says, those who control their tongue will have a long life. Opening your mouth tends to lead to ruin. It can ruin a lot of things. Beloved, if you, if you know how to manage your mouth, you know how to manage your life. And if you don't know how to manage your mouth, you don't know how to manage your life. And if you don't learn how to manage your mouth, I want you to know something. Your, your marriage is going to be in trouble. Some of you, are your marriages are in trouble right now because of your mouth. And today's going to be a good day. Last night, I've already received a number of emails. In fact, I was sitting in my little room a little bit ago, and somebody from the last gathering already sent me an email 
about how the Lord spoke to them, and I believe God's going to speak to you, just like he spoke to me this week as I was kind of walking through some of, some of this. Proverbs chapter 21 says, those who are careful about what they say keep themselves out of trouble. And this certainly applies to your marriage. Man, if you're careful about what you say, if you control your tongue, if the, the fruit of self-control is there as it relates to the tongue in your marriage, I guarantee you, it's going to keep you out of trouble. It will. So let me give you four ways that I, I think will help you better uh, keep control over your tongue, okay? This isn't a comprehensive list. I've talked about some of these things before, but it's worthy of looking at them again. Number one, you keep control over your tongue when you continuously, when you continuously, multiple times in a day, continuously ask God for his help. If you want to experience the fruit of self-control as it relates to your tongue, it begins by continuously asking God for his help. Psalms 141 says, Lord, help me control my tongue. Help me to be careful about what I say. That's something that all of us need to do multiple times throughout the day. God, would you help me control my tongue? God, would you help me to be careful about what I say? There's only one way you'll ever get control over your tongue, and that's by continuously asking God for his help. And the reason you need to ask God for his help is because you can't pull it off on your own. You don't have the power to, 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 to pull it off. You, you can't do it on your own. You, you need God's help, and let me tell you why. Our brother James also said this in chapter 3. He said, he said, sometimes it, and that's your tongue, it praises our Lord and Father, right? We just did that singing and all that kind of stuff. And sometimes that same tongue that was used to worship God and praise the Lord and sing songs to him and pray to him is actually used then to curse somebody else like your wife or your husband or your children or your parents who is made in the very image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is, isn't right. Does a spring of water bubble out of both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a, a grapevine you know, produce figs? No. And you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. Beloved, if you want to know what's happening on the inside of you, just listen to what's coming out of your mouth. That's all you got to do. James says fresh water has fresh water at its source. Figs have a fig tree at its source. Olives have an olive tree at its source. Grapes have a grapevine at its source. And the same thing is true with the words that come out of your mouth. Bitter words just come from a bitter heart. Lying words come from a lying heart. Critical words come from a critical heart. The words that come out of your mouth are simply a reflection of what's in your heart. When I was uh, younger, um, you know, I came out of the womb, you know, bigger than my mother. She was a, an <laughs> Italian gal, a little gal, and, uh, but you didn't, you didn't mess around with my mother. And all the neighbor kids, you know, they liked coming over to my home when I was little, and, and, uh, but you didn't mess with her. And I can't count how many times my mother would grab me, you know, by the wrist. And I, something would come out of my mouth, and she'd take me into the, you know, bathroom and put a bar of soap in my mouth. And uh, today, unfortunately, she'd probably be thrown in, in jail for doing something like that, which is, which is too bad. In fact, uh, uh, at my school, I went to Fremont Elementary School, I had a teacher there, she's, she's dead now, but that teacher on a number of occasions pulled me, she's a, a woman teacher, pulled me into the boys' bathroom and put a bar of soap in my mouth. Now let me tell you something, um, I lived. My, my self-esteem, you know, wasn't ruined forever. And let me tell you something, whenever I got in trouble like that, my mom didn't say, well, you know, 
You're my sweet little angel. How dare you do that to my child? There, th this wasn't Judge Judy, man. If the teacher said I had blown it, I'd blown it. There was no asking me about it. Well, you know, I don't think that was fair. You shouldn't have done that to my child. No, you know what? If she washed my mouth out with soap, then my mother was going to do it. Yeah. Now, now listen, and I'm, by the way, I was, I was thinking about this last night. I'm thankful that they didn't have uh, squeeze soap, you know, liquid soap. Jeez, <laughs> oh, man, that a... I mean, that'd, that'd, that'd bring a whole nother thing. At least it was a, looked like a piece of meat. She'd have just, she'd have put a straw on the thing and say, hey, drink it. I'm not kidding you. My, my mom would have done that. Here's the problem with that, though. Here's what my mom and my teachers didn't understand. The problem wasn't with my tongue. The problem was with my heart. Now, um, eating a bar of soap, if you will, helps suppress what was in my heart. Okay. But the problem was a heart problem. That's what the, 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 the Bible teaches. We, we, we've got a, a heart problem. Jesus put it this way in Matthew chapter 12. He said, a tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, its fruit will be good. If a, if a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. You brood of snakes, how could evil men like you speak what is good and what is right? For whatever's in your heart determines what you say. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. And those are really powerful words. I've said this before. Jesus explained the Freudian slip years before Freud ever existed. It's right there. He says what's on the inside of you is, is going to come out. You see, if, if you've got a problem with your tongue, it's way more serious than you think because your problem is a heart problem and only God can take care of that. The great prophet Ezekiel said, get rid of all the sin you've done and get yourselves a new heart, a new way of thinking. And the only way you, you, you get a new heart is you've got to allow the Lord into your life. The great apostle Paul said, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. It's when you're in Christ that you get a new heart. It's when you're in Christ that you now have the power of God within you to help control the wickedness of our hearts. Now, for those of us that have given our lives over to Jesus you know, we, we've got this new heart, and yet there are times when we need to pray the prayer of David in Psalms 51, where David said, create in me a pure heart, God, and make my spirit right again. There are times that happens to us, even as believers. Our flesh gets the better of us, and though we have the power of God in us, though we've been given a brand new heart, our flesh still gets a hold of us, and we've got to say, oh God, help me, give me a, clean my heart up. Psalms 141 says, set a guard over my mouth, O Lord, keep a watch over the door of my, my lips. Isn't that important? Yeah. Uh, that, 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 that's, that's a verse right there that everybody ought to memorize. God, would you put a muzzle over my mouth, guard my lips. Don't let me be critical to my spouse. Don't let me be judgmental to my spouse. Protect me, God, help me. Don't let me say things that I'm going to regret later. We sang Psalms 119 a little earlier, and Bobby shared it during the off offering, but the word says, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you. You see, that's, that's the goal. That's the goal of, of our tongue, that somehow our mouth, what comes out of it, what we say to our spouse, what we say to our kids, what we say to our parents, what we say to those that we do life with, whatever, somehow the words would be pleasing to, to, to the Lord. Number two, number two, the first thing you, 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 you do is you got to ask God continuously for his help. And then you got to think before you speak. You just have to stop and think before you speak. 
The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 16, intelligent people think before they speak. They think before they speak. And then once they open their mouths, what they say tends to be a little bit more persuasive because they've thought about what they were going to say. Someone once said, a a closed mouth gathers no foot. (laughs) And as I read that this week, I thought to myself, I I can't even count. I can't even tell you how many times I've had to, you know, get my foot out of my mouth. Because I just let sin, the crumminess of my life, get the the better of me. Now, let me give you five things you, you, you need to ask yourself before you open your mouth, Okay. When you and your spouse are having a conversation or whatever, or you and your kids or whoever it is, you need to ask yourself maybe these five questions, okay? Number one, is what I'm about to say truthful? Is it truthful? And let me just add this. Not every truth is to be spoken, okay? I've been at the hospital and had (laughs) held a 1,000 babies, you know? A baby's born, and, and I show up, and I'm holding that baby. And I want you to know something. Uh, they, they all look like lizards. I, and I, I, I don't know how else to say it. Their heads are all pointy and coming out of the birth thing, and it's pointy. They look like trolls. They all look like trolls. That's what it is. They look like trolls. And then you're holding that little lizard, and, the, and then the mother always looks at you and says, isn't my baby beautiful? Uh, no, it looks like a troll. You're not going to say that. And by the way, my own kids look like lizards. My own kids look like trolls. I'm not putting anybody else's babies down. They all look that way. And then, I don't know, God does his thing and the head gets round again, you know, and then praise the Lord for that. But, you know, I'm not going to look at some gal and go, you know, boy, that's one ugly baby. I just, I don't know, you know, let's just pray that something happens. You don't... Bring that baby into the altar room. We need to anoint it with oil. My gosh, that thing is, I don't know. You don't do that. Because see, the Bible also says that we're to be kind. The Bible says we're to treat others the way we want to be treated, you see? But you do need to ask yourself, is what I'm about ready to say truthful? Number two, you need to ask yourself, is it helpful? Is about what I'm about ready to say going to be helpful? Number three is what I'm about ready to say, inspirational. Number four is what I'm about to say, necessary. I mean, do do I really need to to say this? And number five is what I'm about ready to say, kind. Is it what I'm going to say, kind? And I guarantee if you'd run these five things through your mind before you say anything, it'll make a huge difference in your life. It'll make a huge difference in your marriage. It'll make a huge difference in your family. You, you, you got to stop and think, and, you know, these five things spell think. And maybe that'll buy you the time you need before you say something crazy. Proverbs 15 says, good people think before they answer. Evil people have a quick reply, and usually it just causes trouble. And that's the truth, isn't it? Whenever you're just quick to shoot something, it's just usually doesn't solve anything. This creates a whole other layer of problems. God says in Ephesians chapter 4, don't use foul and abusive language. And let me bring it into our marriage series. Don't use foul or abusive language, men, when you're talking with your wife. Ladies, don't use foul and abusive language when you're talking to your husband. Children, don't use foul or abusive language when you're talking to your parents. Mom, dad, don't use foul, abusive language when you're talking with your kids. This is a command from God. You, you, don't, you don't get a mulligan because, oh, it's my wife. You know, God doesn't care how I talk to my wife or my husband. Or my, no. God says, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them, like your spouse, your children your grandkids, your grandfather, whoever it might be, you see. you got to think before you open your mouth and say something to your spouse. Is it, is it truthful, helpful, inspirational, necessary? Is it kind? Proverbs 18 says, you will have to live with the consequences of everything you say. 
What you say can preserve life, and what you say can destroy it. So you must accept the consequences of your words. I saw a program last week. It was, I don't know, 20, 20 or 48 hours, one of those. And there was a group of guys. They're all sitting around. They were buddies, apparently, at first. And something was said that torqued off one of the other guys. And before the end of the night, the guy stabbed his buddy. And his buddy died. You live with the consequences. Literally, words can bring life and words can bring death. Words can bring pain. Words are a powerful thing. We have to be very careful. Proverbs 19, once again, says, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you. And this ought to be a verse we all memorize, as, as I said. N- number three, you control your tongue when you fill your mind with God's word. You have to ask God for his help continuously. Morning, noon, night. You gotta always ask him for his help. You, you gotta stop before you say anything. You gotta think a little bit. Engage your brain, and then you gotta make sure that you've, you've filled your mind with God's word. The Bible says in Psalms 119, oh, how I love your instructions. How I love your word, in other words. I think about them all day long. In other words, I fill my mind with God's word all day long. Your commands make me wiser than my enemies, for they are my constant guide. You see, when you fill your mind with the word of God, the instructions of God, they are what guide you. They guide your tongue, you see. They'll guide what you, what you say. Paul said this in Philippians chapter 4. He said, fix your thoughts on what is true. Fix your thoughts on what is honorable. Fix your thoughts on what is right. Fix your thoughts on what is pure. Fix your thoughts on what is lovely. Fix your thoughts on what is admirable. Think about things that are, that are excellent and worthy of praise Keep putting into practice all you've learned and received from me, everything you've heard me, heard from me and saw me do. Then, then when you've got your mind fixed on the right things, then the peace of God will be with you. And when the peace of God is filling your life, let me tell you something. <laughs> You'll control your tongue. You'll have better control over your tongue. You'll have better control over what you say to your husband. You'll have better control over what you say to your wife or your kids or whatever that might be. One of the the keys to overcoming just a a crummy tongue is filling your mind with the right things. Last week I, I shared with you that old saying, garbage in, garbage out. Okay, let me tell you how it works as it relates to the tongue. You fill your mind with garbage, okay? It goes from here, drops down about 18 inches, Jesus said, and goes into your heart. And once it gets there, it travels up about 12 inches and comes out here. What you put into your mind will travel down 18 inches and get into your heart. And once it gets into your heart, it's now going to travel up about 12 inches and come out of your mouth. And so it's important for us not only to ask God continuously for help, not only just to stop and think before we say something, but we've got to spend time filling our minds with the word of, of, of God. 2 Timothy chapter 3 says this, all scripture is inspired by God and it's useful to teach us what is true and to help us realize what is wrong in our lives. It's the word that helps us know whether the words we're speaking are right or wrong or they're good or helpful or whatever. The word of God, it corrects us when we're wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses the word to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Now listen to me. I believe that being a husband is a good work. I believe that being a wife is a good work. I believe that being a a good dad is a good work. I believe that being a good mother is a good work. 
And it's this book that helps prepare you and equip you to be a good husband, that good work, or good wife, that good work, or good parent, or good child, whatever it might be. Filling your mind with the word of God is just critical. The Bible says this in Colossians chapter three, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Look, there's lots of ways to get the word of God into you. It might be, you know, in our men's Bible study, our women's Bible study. It might be in our home groups where we've gone through Ken Ham's material or uh, we've gone through uh, Focus on the Family's material on the Truth Project. A lot of you do the sermon notes in your small groups. Uh, uh, my small group on Sunday nights goes through uh, John MacArthur's uh, daily devotional. Uh, this church offers lots of ways to get you into the Word of God. And I believe that there are all kinds of ways, methods, by which you can get into the Word of God. I don't care what the method is, pick one. Find something where you get into the Word of God constantly, where you're filling your mind. And what I said on that video is, is absolutely true. Every single morning, the first thing my wife does is she gets a cup of coffee and she sits down and she's got her Bible open. She's doing her Bible study. She's reading the Word of God every morning, every night. Uh, last thing she's doing, she's got her Bible open. She's reading it. She might be doing her Bible study. She might just be reading it. She's constantly filling her mind with the Word of God, which is why and, I'm not, and I didn't say this the last two gatherings, I've, I don't know whether I've, I've ever heard her say something hurtful or mean or crummy. And part of that is because she puts her, her mind, she allows the, the word of God to dwell in her richly. And number four, you keep your tongue under control when you're quick to confess your sin. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 1, if we claim that we have no sin, if we claim that we've never used our tongue in a crummy way, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sin, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. And I shared with you earlier, Ephesians chapter four, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their need. Let me ask you a question. I just want you to think about this for a moment. What kind of talk comes out of your mouth? Filthy talk? Confess your sin. Four-letter word talk? Confess your sin. Dirty joke talk? Confess your sin. Crude remark talk? Confess your sin. Gossiping talk? Confess your sin. Complaining talk? Confess your sin. Hurtful talk to your spouse. Have you said something to your spouse today or yesterday or last week and you've never confessed it? There are some topics that us preachers preach on that we know, um, we just know that the topic is going to be brutal. And there's probably no other topic like the tongue. And we know it's going to be brutal because everybody in this room, I don't care how long you've walked with God, struggles with it at one time or another. And so everybody in this room there's great potential that some of you are going, man, why'd I come? No. I just, I, I'm embarrassed. I'm sitting next to my spouse or my kids. And my tongue has been used to crush them, hurt them. And here's the deal. You, you, you can get up here in a minute and go have lunch and, and, you know, just, you know, have a prideful attitude. And many of you will. Or you can choose to humble yourself. And maybe today you get home and gather your family around and just say, hey, I want you to know I heard from the Lord today. 
And I know that my words haven't been used in a, in a very neat way. I, I, and I'm sorry. Would you forgive me? And kids, maybe you need to do that to your parents. Husbands, maybe you need to do that with your wives or your kids. Wives, maybe you need to do it. And you just sit down and it's just acknowledge the truth and just say, man, I, my pride has gotten the better of me and I, I just have been a real jerk with my tongue. And you confess it. And then you begin to look at some of these things and say, man, I'm going to ask God. I need God. I need, in the morning when I get up at noon, and man, I'm going to park in the parking lot before I walk into the house and I'm going to ask God, God, help me. Put a muzzle over my mouth. I'm going I'm to really think before I speak. I need to get into the Word of God more. I need to come down to celebrate recovery. I need to get into men's ministry, women's ministry. I, I don't care what it is. I, I don't know what it is. This can be a really great day. No reason to, you know, leave here and, and not deal with whatever it is you're, you're struggling with. Look, I'm, I'm putting this together this week, and I'm going, hey. the, the Holy Spirit's working on me. I, 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 I don't fit into that category of only speaking 20,000 words. I could, I could speak 20,000 words, you know, in the first half of the day. I can tell you that a lot of the words sometimes are just really crummy. Just need to get your family together and maybe say, I'm just sorry. I'm sorry for how, you know, inconsistent I have been. Sometimes I talk in a loving way and sometimes I talk in a harsh way and I'm sorry. And you just apologize. Paul said this in Philippians chapter 2. And I want you to pay attention to this as I kind of land this plane. Paul said, I want you to do everything. Actually, it's God who says this through the apostle. I want you to do everything without using your tongue in a complaining way or an arguing way so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. One version says, do all things without grumbling or disputing, you see. This is a command from God. This is God's will for your life. God says, I want you as one of my followers to do everything without arguing, griping, complaining. In other words, don't use your tongue that way. But we all blow it. We all, at one time or another, will be guilty of using our tongues in, in crummy ways. There will be times when we will gripe and complain and argue. It's really easy to get you know, negative as it relates to our spouse, our kids, our parents, or whatever, those in your small group. And God says, listen, I, 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 want, I don't want you to do that. Don't use your tongue that way. Don't do it. And here's why. Why this is so important is because people are watching you. Your neighbors, your friends, your coworkers, your, your kids, your parents, whoever. And when your tongue is out of control, when it's being used in a crummy way, it opens you up to criticism. Which is why it's so important to confess your sin. Look, Peter said this. Peter said, hey, Christian, I want you to always be ready, always be prepared to give a, a defense for the hope that is within you. And we like to talk about that particular piece of that scripture a lot. It's the next phrase that's critical. Peter says, you always be prepared to share with somebody about the hope that you have within you when they ask. Listen, <laughs> the reason why some of you have never been asked about the hope that you have within you is because this thing is out of control. Yes, I think there are times we share our faith even when we're not asked, but in that passage, there's this idea that, that we're going to live our lives in such a way that people are going to ask about our faith. It's one of the reasons why we do love Modesto. It's one of the reasons why we do some of those things. We get out there, and guess what the unsaved do? They look at us, and they ask. Tell me about your faith. Every time we hand out groceries to people, we do a good deed. We, we do what the Bible says, and we allow our good works 
to be seen by all men, people go, why are you doing that? See, we just don't do good things simply to do good things. We do good things because it causes people then to be curious and ask about the hope we have within us. And one of the reasons why people don't ask is because they listen to what comes out of our mouths. And they go, I don't even want to know. Who cares about their God or their church or their Jesus? That's ugly. People are watching you. Your neighbors, the people you work with. Controlling your tongue is a, is a huge deal. They, they may not know much about your life, but they're listening to you. You gossip at work, you talk trash at work, do you, you say crummy things about your boss at work. Do you, do you, what, what's coming out of your mouth? Don't think anybody's going to ask about your hope, about your faith. If your tongue's all goofed up. This is a, 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 a huge issue. Once again, Psalms 19 says, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to, to you. This, this ought to be the goal of all, all of us who name the name of Christ. Okay, I want to end the way I began every message. And I, I want to end by, by praying. And so if you got a ring and a date, you're engaged when all the engaged couples to stand up, even those of you over in the, the venue, okay? Engaged couples, whether you're, your fiance's here or, or not. And a bunch of you up there, a bunch of you over there, a whole bunch of you. Okay. All right. Hey, 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 listen, listen. Maybe you haven't been here throughout the whole series. It ends today. We've got all the DVDs. You can pick them up or CDs. You can go online and watch them. Listen, I, I want you to know something. I think every couple, I'd have to sit down and listen to these and just dialogue about them. This, this could be a real blessing in your life, if, especially if you're new and, you ha- and this is the first message that, that you've heard. Father, thank you for these that are standing. And Lord, I remember the engagement period and man, that's just, that's just an incredible time. And I pray you'd bless each of these couples. I pray that maybe even this one message the fruit of self-control, controlling their tongues would rattle around in their minds, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness. Blessings on them, and I pray this in your name. Amen. All right, you're married. Everybody who's married, stand up, whether your spouse is with you or whatever. All the married folks, stand up, okay? I, um, I know that standing here, over there, or whatever, you know, there's a lot of you that have great marriages right now. Things are going really well. But I also know there are some of your marriages that are on life support. I know. And I want you to know that um, just coming and listening to the Word of God doesn't mean a whole lot. It doesn't take any effort to listen to truth. Listening to truth Uh, won't transform your life. Listening to truth won't transform your marriage. But if you would choose to do what the Word of God says, that's when you'll see a miracle happen in your marriage. And we've seen some happen throughout this series. There have been couples who they decided not to sit here and just listen to the Word, But they actually went home and said, let's humble ourselves and let's actually put these things into practice. And literally, they went from life support to having incredible marriages. It doesn't take much to turn a marriage around. You know, you you, you can go to the ER and be dying and right next to you, you know, is a ventilator machine that can keep you alive. That ventilating machine doesn't mean diddly squat if they don't hook it up to you. (laughs) This is just a ventilator sitting there. It doesn't do anything if you don't hook it up. And for some of you, maybe you're new today or last week, let me just encourage you, maybe you ought to get this series. And say, you know what, what if each Wednesday night or Tuesday night or Thursday night we just sit down in front of our computer or whatever, turn all the phones off, and let's just go through these things.
And let's make a commitment to, to, you know, doing them. And watch what will happen in your marriage. Father, thank you for all of these that are standing. Blessings on them, God. I know that the enemy is doing all that he can to goof up this thing called marriage. And it sure looks like he's winning, at least from my vantage point. So, Lord, I pray that somehow over these last eight or nine weeks that, that God, we've taken back some ground. Blessings on each of these folks, especially those that are, are struggling right now. May they be doers of the word, not just hearers. And I pray this in your name. Amen. All right, last group are those of you that are single. Maybe you went through a divorce or two, or you're a widow, widower, or you're just a young guy, young gal, you're in junior high, high school, whatever. Single folks, stand up, okay? Single folks, over in the venue, single. I have told you throughout this series that, um, the, you know, statistically speaking, you're probably going to get married someday, even though you, you think in your mind, I'm never going to get married. You probably will, okay? And I've given you two words, choose wisely. Because here's the deal. If you don't choose wisely, listen to me. You choose a loser, a bum, a narcissist, a sociopath, none of this is going to matter. It all begins with choosing wisely. If you choose somebody who doesn't even know Jesus Christ as their Savior, good luck. You're already in sin. The Bible says don't be unequally yoked with somebody. But if you choose wisely and then you take these principles and you put them into practice, I want you to know something. Having a great marriage is easy. You always hear these people, oh, you know, marriage is a tough thing. No, it's not. It ain't a tough thing. It's, an, it's easy. It's a, it's a cool thing. Oh, there's moments when it, it can get a little dicey. But overall, it's an easy thing. You just choose the right soul and you treat them with great honor and respect. You have the fruit of you know, uh, of the spirit in your life, and it's amazing what'll happen. And maybe some of you, you might be young or whatever, but you ought to pick up a copy of this and just take it home and say, you know what? I'm gonna just keep this right here. And when God brings somebody into my life, you know what, before I ever say I do, we're gonna go through this together. Because I wanna make sure that I, I do choose wisely. Father, thank you for all of these that are standing. And I pray, God, that those two words, choose wisely, would rattle around in their minds, God. That they would find somebody who, who loves the Lord deeply, who would lift them up to new heights in their walk with the Lord. Help them to, to find that kind of soul. God, I pray this in your name. All right, everybody stand up. Over in the venue, everybody in here stand up. We're going to end where we began, okay? We are going to say Galatians chapter 5, 22 and 23 out loud together. Here we go, one, two, three. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Hey, close your eyes, everybody. Pastor Bobby, would you uh, end our time by praying a blessing over everybody here?